It'll be great if you could pull out your Bibles uh, that you received on the way in. Our first uh, reading comes from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 65, uh, verse 13, or 17 rather, and it's on page 532. Uh, God speaks, and he speaks about the new heavens uh, and earth. So Isaiah chapter 65, starting at verse 17. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth and he who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They'll build houses and dwell in them and they'll plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They'll not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they'll be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I'll answer. And while they're still speaking, I'll hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. The second reading is from Galatians chapter 6, and it's on page 826 on the Pew Bibles, starting at verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Well, it's a. Can you hear me okay? Yep. It's a while since I've been up here. I think it was two years ago uh, at this church. It was the last time I, I, I gave a sermon at church. So uh, it's good to, be, good to be back here uh, with you all again. And before I start, uh, I'll, I'll pray uh, that God will help me to speak clearly and for us all to understand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the privilege it is to. Uh, learn um, from you and uh, in the Bible and we pray that you'll help me to speak clearly today and faithfully and that uh, your word will speak to all of our hearts and that uh, your word will help us and, and shape us to be more like you and to bring you glory. Amen. So to kick off, uh, some of you will know I'm married to uh, 
uh, Melinda. I've got two young kids. And before uh, Melinda and I were even going out, I used to do all sorts of things to try and make a good impression on her. So if I had to ring her up for something, I would first put on some music that I thought she might like. So I had this Miles Davis CD that I thought was pretty cool and I'd, I'd get it out, I'd put the music on in the background, I'd, I'd dial her up and sure, after talking for about 30 seconds, she'd say, oh, what, what's, that, what's that cool music you've got playing in the background? I'd say, oh, well, oh that's just my Miles Davis CD. And uh, you know, after our conversation, I'd turn it off, put it back in the case, <laughs> put it away, job done. And when I, I used to pick Melinda up and take her to church before we were going out as well. And I would I'd put on my leather jacket. I think there was a time when leather jackets were cool, um, maybe. And uh, I had this Armani cologne that I used to spray all over me and sort of knock on the door and sort of nonchalantly sort of wait for her to open the door and look, look sort of relaxed. And funnily, that, that one actually worked. Melinda says to this day that... Uh, the smell of leather and cologne, you know, it gives her good feelings. <laughs> and, and maybe even more ridiculously, on our very first date, Melinda's artistic and I sort of try to pretend. So I, um, I put on this, this red silk shirt with a big collar and this, this blue, blue tie, sort of like an uh, electric blue with the sun on it. Um, it was, I, well, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was trying to make a good impression. And why was I trying to do that? Well, it was because I liked her. But making a good impression, it, it's important, isn't it? You know, if we, for the job interview, you might take the earring out for your job interview if you're the sort of bloke that wears earrings. Um, or when you're meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time. Or maybe even the first time you come into a church. Look like you know what you're doing. Grab the Bible. You can find the right spot. You know, make a good impression. You know, I fit in. I'm, I'm one of the crowd. Um, you know, making a good impression, it is, it's important. It sort of it drives a lot of what we do. You know, we want to fit in. We want to avoid ridicule. That's, that's natural. But the question for us is, who are we trying to impress? You know, where is our focus? Because if we get that skewed, it can actually be a trap and it can cripple us from the true freedom that we can have uh, in knowing God, the freedom that we have in Christ. See, all through Galatians, Mark's been reminding us about the, the goldfish in the bowl and the freedom of actually the goldfish that's in the bowl because it's living in the protection of Christ, living how, he, how God has made us to live. And so today as we look at these final verses, the final couple of verses of Galatians, and as Paul actually picks up the pen himself to scribe these most important exhortations right at the end of his letter, we'll have a look at this attack on our freedom in Christ that can come from seeking to make a good impression before men. So we're going to look uh, in two parts. Now, firstly, uh, making a good impression outwardly, compromising for comfort. That's verses 12 and 13. And secondly, making a good impression to God through the cross of Christ. 
So firstly, making a good impression outwardly. Compromising for comfort. Let's look at verses 12 and 13 together. I'll read them out. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, that they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your flesh. See, we've heard all the way through Paul's letter to the Galatians, his concern, and even he gets very angry about how they've been bewitched, as he says in 3 verse 1, by turning from just faith in Christ alone and adding circumcision to that, to their faith in Christ. And he says in 5 verse 2, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. But as we see today, at the end of the letter, he actually exposes even more clearly than anywhere else the motivation behind their actions. You see, why in verse 12 are they trying to compel them to be circumcised? Well, firstly because I want to make a good impression outwardly. But then he actually exposes them more deeply, more cuttingly. He says the only reason, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. The only reason for pushing circumcision was to avoid persecution for, for Christ. See, they weren't all obeying all of the law. They weren't perfect in their actions. And we see this in verse 14. They were motivated by trying to find something external, something pious, something physical, so that they could boast in their flesh or in their works. But we need to be careful. Before we sort of tut-tut the Galatians and say, oh, you foolish Galatians, we need to be honest and say, that's, that's pretty tempting, isn't it? You know, a little little snip in the flesh and you've avoided persecution. You know, you fit in. You've even got something that you can boast about. You're you're in the holy crowd. And, you know, I'd say in our church here, we're probably not guilty of adding something like that to faith in Christ to avoid persecution. Although we do see in some parts of the church where things are added to faith alone. And I think sometimes we sit in judgment of those churches thinking sort of, oh, phew, you know, we haven't made that mistake. You know, we we don't add anything. But we need to be careful because at the core of the Galatians' issue was the motivation. And the motivation for their action was to avoid persecution for the cross of Christ. Trying to make a good impression compromising their faith alone in Christ for their comfort. And I think that is where what we read today, um, Paul's letter, speaks to us. That's what I find hard. You know, we live in a beautiful part of Sydney. You know, a lot of us have good jobs, good standing in the community, good standing with our work colleagues. We don't necessarily preach prosperity, but we're, we're living in prosperity. And I think this is where the temptation can come for us to compromise. You know, we don't want the bubble to burst. You know, a little compromise here or there, a little word left unsaid, 
You know, and life will just go that bit smoother. We won't ruffle any feathers. You know, things will just be comfortable for us. You know, we, it's easy for us. We live good lives, you know, and that's a good thing. Paul said just a few verses earlier, in chapter 6, verse 9, he said, let us not become weary of doing good. But I think being good is the easy part of being a Christian. You know, the other day, uh, one of my work colleagues, I needed him to help me out with something for a client that he's had some bad dealings with. And you know, he described these clients. He said, look, Steve, I don't want to do this work for these numbskulls, were his exact words. But he said, look, because you're a nice guy and you've asked me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. See, being nice, that, that can actually have some advantages. But what Paul's saying here isn't that avoiding being persecuted for being nice. He's saying the Galatians were trying to avoid persecution because of the cross of Christ. You know, we like the being good bit, but when it comes to sticking our neck out for Christ, well, that, that's harder, that's a different story. You know, I've, I've never shared the gospel with uh, that same friend of mine at work. You know, he knows I'm a Christian, but I, you know, I wonder, would our friendship change if I, if I shared the gospel with him? That, that's our fear, isn't it? That something might change, that things might not be so comfortable, things might become a bit prickly. Um, they might think we're a bit weird. You know, I, I've been a Christian all my life and I've, I've never really faced any significant persecution and, and I wonder you know, in my actions in my speech am I subtly making choices for my comfort leaving a word unsaid or, or avoiding things not speaking up for Christ and I, I have to say that you know certainly there are occasions when when that, that has been the case. About a couple of months ago, uh, I was going for this big project. I'm fairly new at my, my job, and my boss and I went to see a client uh, about a big project we were trying to win. And I don't know how the conversation came around to this, but the client and my boss started talking about Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, saying they're sort of all the same, they've got the same book, but they've twisted the into three stories. They had just enough knowledge to be dangerous, but not enough knowledge to say anything that was even remotely accurate. And it was, it was quite offensive what they were saying. They were really basically saying, if you're a Christian, you're stupid, that, that Jesus isn't God, effectively. And it was uncomfortable for me. And I, I just sat there. I, I didn't say anything. And I think back and I think, you know, Jesus, Jesus saw that. God knew what I was doing. Um, you know, I should have said something, but, you know, I was trying to win this big job, right? My boss would have thought I was, was strange. You know, the client would have thought, who is this guy? So I just, I, I did nothing. You know, I couldn't muster up a word. But... You know, in the end, we lost that project. We didn't win it. I should have spoken up. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, it can be hard. You know, the Galatians, we see they, they struggled. You know, we struggle. 
We need to be actively aware every day of how we can glorify Christ rather than compromising for our comfort to make a good impression. You know, what are the things that we're silent or we might be embarrassed about? You know, is, it, is it the dividing nature of the cross of Christ that you're either saved or you're not? Or is it hell and punishment? Opposition to same-sex marriage or abortion? Um, is it defending God against atheism, which can seem so intelligent? Or is it just the general permissiveness of our society? We'll just sort of let that go. Just let it pass. You know, too hard to deal with. You know, saying something won't achieve anything. They're the sort of things that go through in our minds. Just to, just to make that little compromise each day. You know, we need to really be praying for wisdom and strength and ask God each day through his power and by the power of his spirit to not compromise and stand up for him. You know, one of my old youth group leaders used to say when I was sort of chickening out on door knocking or, or talking to someone or getting out the front of church, he'd say, Steve... What have you got to lose? All you've got to lose is your reputation. You know, you made it sound so easy. But the problem is, losing your reputation is hard. That, that didn't give me any comfort at all. Um, see, the mistake he made, I think, was he, he didn't properly recognise that it is hard. Instead, I think what he should have done is what the Apostle Paul does here, which is focus on all the great things that we have in Christ. The way to not compromise is to know how great everything we have in Christ is. So that takes me to our second point, which is making a good impression to God through the cross of Christ. So look at verses 14 and 15 with me. Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. See, Paul is a complete contrast to those in Galatia who, Galatia who are boasting about their flesh. For him, the only thing he would ever boast about is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul understands what he has in Christ. The world has been crucified to him and him to the world. He's no longer of this world. He is a whole completely new identity in Christ. You know? you know, it's not just a little snip in the flesh. Why aim so low? We are a whole new creation, he says in verse 15. We have a different relationship to the world and Paul has been spelling this out all the way through his letter to the Galatians. What do we have, have when we have faith in Jesus? I'll just go through a few verses. Chapter 1, verse 4, he says, We are rescued by Christ. He says, He gave himself for our sins and rescued us from the present evil age. We have new life. Chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. We are sons of God. Chapter, two, chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And we are heirs of his eternal kingdom. 
chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you an heir. And we are free. We are free. Chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, isn't that something to boast about? Christ has done everything. He's done it all. We can let go of our effort and the attack on our freedom of trying to please people. You know, how do we make a good impression to God? We don't. Christ has made that perfect impression to God for us by his death on the cross. You know, how do we turn from compromising for comfort? By truly and deeply understanding what we have in Christ. By knowing we're crucified to the world and we're a new creation in him. What Christ thinks matters. What Jesus thinks is what matters, not me. And we need to let go of that crippling hold of wanting to make a good impression outwardly. You know, being a new creation, free in Christ, sons of God, heirs of his kingdom, free. Isn't that something to live for? Something that's actually even worth being persecuted for? You might know of Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. They were two bishops in England in the 16th century uh, during the Reformation. And they, actually, they enjoyed being, their time underneath King Edward VI, who was Henry VIII's son. And uh, things changed, though, when Edward died because Queen Mary, a Catholic, um, became the queen on the throne and in 1553, they were both sent straight to the Tower of London. And on the 16th of October, 1555, they were both together let out to be burned at the stake. And Ridley's uh, brother was there, and he tied gunpowder around their necks so to aid a, a quick and less painful, painful death. And as the first timbers were lit around their, around their feet, and as they stared death in the face, Latimer spoke these famous words and he said, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust it shall never be put out. And the fire, the fire raged and they stirred no more and all that could be heard was the sound of weeping around them. How did they, those two men, have such strength to go to their deaths with such courage? Because they understood what it meant to be in Christ. You know, no pope, no rules, no traditions, nothing could stand between them and, and God. Like Paul, they knew that it was only through the cross of Christ that they were a new creation and free in him. That they were heirs of his eternal kingdom and they were going to be in their home with Jesus. You know, that was worth dying for. And by God's grace, the candle in England has never been put out. You know, the, the English love this account, a good story of English bravery. It takes the emphasis away from how badly they did in the World Cup. But it also begs the question for us. What does it look like to light a candle in Australia in 2010, 
that will never be put out. See, we're far more free to boast about the cross of Christ, to stand up for our Lord, you know, without fear of persecution. You know, we have a great opportunity to share the saving love of Christ on the cross. But it is still tricky for us because persecution is so non-existent and life is so comfortable that we don't sort of even notice the little compromises that we're making along the way. You know, society doesn't divide so clearly along lines of faith. So we can become numb, lukewarm and even almost in- indistinguishable from, from others around us. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we need to go out and try to get persecuted. And Paul shows that himself. We see in verse uh, 17, he makes it clear. He doesn't want anyone to cause him trouble. He's been through all manner of beatings and trials in the past for Christ. And he's not saying um, he wants to go out and get any more. But he also knows that the gospel of the cross of Christ is what makes us a new creation. And he would never compromise that for his own comfort. That's what he wants the Galatians to understand. He wants them to be thrilled about knowing what they have in Christ. I think we need to work out the application to this uh, on, on a personal level, each one of us, in our own situations, day to day. Look at ourselves and our actions and say, are my actions showing that I'm more interested in what Jesus thinks than protecting my comfort. Each day, to ask ourselves that question before we go out. Am I boasting in the cross of Christ? Or am I avoiding the cross for my own comfort? Just a small example from my own life was when I was working in 2001 over in the UK. And... One of the, I'm an engineer. One of the first jobs they wanted me to work on was a job called the Maitreya Buddha. It's a 150-metre-high Buddha statue. Now, for an engineer, it was one of the most amazing jobs going. It needed to be designed for a 1,000-year design life, special bronze coating. Great project. But I just felt I couldn't, I couldn't work on it. Spending a couple of years of my life working on a, a statue, another idol, um, another god. Now, it was an opportunity for me to say, am I going to boast about Christ or will I compromise? It wasn't easy, but I, I went into my boss's office and I said, you know, I, I can't work on this. Um, I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus is the only God. And I can't build, I can't build an idol like this. And it was, it wasn't easy, but I think it was the right thing to do. And how can we do anything less with what Jesus has done for us? He died on the cross for us. How can we compromise? You know, we all have uh, situations like this. You know, conversations of some. Form another, a chance to tell someone about a Christian book you're reading when you're carrying it in the lift or something like that, telling them about church, uh, what you did on Sunday. We've got I Heart Curability uh, coming up here, a chance for us to actually reach out to our community here in Curability and tell them about Christ. 
There are lots of ways to get involved, lots of things that we can do. And we should seek them out. You know, it, it can be hard to open up about these things. You know, it might not be comfortable. You know, we want to be liked. You know, and we could, we might, we might lose our reputation. We might lose our outward reputation. That might happen. But remember what we have in Christ and that we are a new creation in him. And we have Jesus' perfect impression before God because of what he's done on the cross. So, what sort of good impression do you want to make? I'll just finish up with the, the words of Paul in verse 14. He says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.